You're listening to the Sprues and Brews podcast, your weekly podcast looking at all things Warhammer. Hello and welcome to episode 164 of the Sprues and Brews podcast. My name is Dave and I'm joined once again by Matt. Hello. Jay. Oh. And Andy. Hello, hello, hello. How are we, gents? Are we, are we all well? Not too bad. It's another week seems to have flown by. We are rocketing towards December. Exciting times. I know, it's crazy. Can I just interrupt? Can yeah. I just interrupt? Has anyone been on the Warhammer community website say your curse is a dragon? Yes. Is it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we will be covering that on the news, but how 90s is that? <laughs> I remember doing that when I was at school. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. It can stay like that if it wants. That's ace. Um, so, yeah, there's there's a little bit of a sneak peek of the news segment. Um, this week, we're going to be mainly talking about tournaments. So our main segment this week is, is, is going to be talking about tournaments. And our top three, actually, we're going to be picking out our top three um, tournament moments, tournament games... Um, tournaments in general, anything tournaments tournament in general, anything tournaments. I've said about us the tournaments about fifteen times in the last minute. Um, what we talked so, yeah. about the top three, Dave. Um, tournaments, Jay. Tournaments, right? <laughs> tournaments. Um, so uh, yeah, that we're, we're going to keep that um, as our kind of topic this week, uh, mainly because we we all should be taking part in our first team event this coming week. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Maybe. Maybe. Yes. Um. Anyway, uh, we'll also have the community top three pick towards the end of the podcast as well, and in, in all the news uh, as normal. Before we get stuck into that, let's talk about what we've been up to in the hobby this week. So, Jay, would you like to start us off? Yeah, uh, it's not been a very busy week in the hobby this week due to work, but I have started building. We were lucky enough, Games Workshop sent us a whole bunch of um, the new Black Templars range. Um, so I've been working my way through that. Um, I started with the, the most exciting models that they sent, which was the new Sword Brethren. Mm. Um, so I've got these. Uh, they're so nice. They, they're, they're, they're so chunky. Um, it's amazing what they can do now with the Primaris Space Marine range. Um, these guys are on the, uh, is it 40 mil base with Terminators? Mm. So they're on the larger base and they pretty much take up the entire base with a cloak flowing behind them. You get um, a whole load of different weapon options for each individual sword brethren. I decided to equip all mine with power swords and one with a thunder hammer just to give them a bit of like, um, you know, like a single purpose um, tune into a particular battlefield role. Mm. Um, you get a choice of pistols to give to them, combi weapons. Um, but that's not all. There is so many little extras on the sprue, purity scrolls, um, like trinkets, um, extra chains, skulls. There's so much stuff you can add to personalise each of these. I don't think anyone's sword reference squads are going to look the same. Um, so, yeah, so I've got those built. Um, next on the list is Grimaldus. So I'll probably sit down tomorrow and get Grimaldus built. Excellent. Yeah, they're yeah, incredible models. Yeah, they are. The Black Templars range is ace. And, like, it really makes me excited for what we'll see perhaps going Because, really, all we've got is generic primary space marines. And then the Black Templars are really the first sort of non-vanilla Space Marine chapter that have got Primaris-specific units and characters. 
I know we've had individual characters for different um, chapters, like you've had the Imperial Fist special character, the Salamander special character. And I know technically the Space Wolves have had those, um, more, is it Morkai Hunters or the Witch Hunter type unit? Yeah. Which was just Reavers, really. Um, Reavers with upgrades, which is a bit of a shame, wasn't it? Yeah. But, I mean, I, I'm really excited to see when they get back around to like the Blood Angels, the Space Wolves, um, even uh, chapters that don't currently have any sort of special units, you know, like the Imperial Festival Salamanders, we might see some um, new chapter specific units. How mm. cool would it be to see like Tyrannic War Veterans for the Ultramarines? Um, That'd be ace. Yeah, so I mean, I'm so I'm expecting we'll get a new Primaris range maybe next year, year after with the next edition of 40k when it eventually comes. Um, I'd really like them to to you know, expand those chapters that haven't had Blood Angels, you know, new Sanguinary Guard, new, new um, um, Furioso Redemptive Dreadnoughts and things like that. Yeah, be well cool. Mm. The door's yeah. definitely open for that sort of stuff now, I think. But after they've done Craft World Elder, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Desperate for the return of Eldar, Jay. Aye, aye. <laughs> Excellent. Um, Andy, what, what about you? What have you been up to? Um, so I'm looking towards the end of the year now. Um, I'm looking at my hobby resolutions and you know what I can do to, to take some stuff off. And uh, the big one is just to f- try and finish off my um, Osseo Reaper army to 2,000 points. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, I bought some Bone Reapers off you, didn't I, Dave? You but, did. Um, I bought the uh, Bokmortian, the Endless Spells, and some Necropolis Stalkers. So I've got Buck Mortian and two of the Endless Spells built. Um, I haven't had a chance to spray them yet. But then I've also been working on some Mortic Guard because they're sort of like built and, and sprayed. And as I'm talking right now, I'm putting the, uh, the texture paint on five Mortic Guard. And once they're done, I've only got, I say I've only got, I've got another 15 to go. And then that's my 2000 point army done um Fantastic. yeah it, it's been a slow grow project i've been um originally i was trying to do like 500 points a month and i was having you know a few months in between just to do some other stuff and palette cleanses and stuff and i think it was um about september ish where i kind of fell off the project and it, i lost a bit of momentum for it mm. um but over the last few few days i've been sort of uh the the enthusiasm for the armies come back. Mm. So, yeah, I'm just trying to get it done. And then obviously we saw, again, a bit of spoilers, um, some of the Christmas boxes. <laughs> um, one of the Christmas boxes looks uh, very enticing if you're a Bone Reaper player. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I'm, I, I don't know. I, I've i got, like I said, I've got the stuff that I bought off you. I've got the Mortec Guard to finish, but I, I kind of want to finish the year painting a scenic model so i've been looking at catacross and um, it's a nice model yeah so i I might pick him up um i mean if you know if we are at warhammer world in the team event this weekend then yeah maybe i'll I'll pick him up then and Mm. that'd be a nice little model to finish off but yeah i've I've basically just been um building and painting um the last of the bone reapers just to, to try and get them done for the end of the year basically so Excellent. Excellent stuff. Well, I've um, 
I had another sort of quite quiet week, but I have managed to, to actually pick up a paintbrush uh, and I painted my endless spell for this coming weekend. So I had a few points left over, so I've, I've um, got a burning head, which I've now uh, got paid. Just need to finish basing him uh, after the podcast recording tonight. Um, quite a quick job. Um, other than that, um, I finished off building my uh, infiltrators. I'm kind of... I've I've been doing a lot of reading this week. Um, I'm trying to decide what Crusade Army I want to concentrate on in the new year because as much as I wanted to do my Death Watch, I just don't find them enticing for Crusade. Um, so I've been doing a lot of sort of reading on my current codexes. Uh, I had a look at the Christmas boxes like you, Andy. Um, for me, actually, I mean, we'll talk, probably talk about it in the news, but um, the Death Guard one for me kind of raised my eyebrow a little bit. I was quite tempted by that, but I'm sure we'll talk about that later. Um, and that's really been it. Um, I've touched up. Actually, that's something else I've done. Um, my Oryx, I painted quite a long time ago. We did them as part of a contrast challenge, or, or most of them were done as part of a contrast challenge. And I noticed the last time I used them that a lot of like the rims looked unfinished. Like the, I, I painted them um, steel Legion drab, but you could see bits of black coming through them and stuff. Um, so I thought I'd go round the army and just touch those all back up um so that they're actually properly brown now uh, and also over the last couple of events my my poor Morkrusher has slowly fallen to pieces his wing fell off um he came off his base and uh, at the last event at element uh, my mega boss decided to dismount himself um so i've got him all um repaired now and he's ready for uh, ready for war so uh, yeah i'm uh, pretty happy with that um matt what have you been up to Dave, 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 I would love to tell you what I've been up to. Unfortunately, if I did, a highly trained team of assassins would come bursting through this door and dispatch <laughs> me no sooner than the words left my mouth. I've been building some stuff. I've been painting some stuff. Unfortunately, I can't tell you about it yet, but hopefully soon I'll be able to tell you all about it. Excellent. That's ve- that's really mysterious. <laughs> <laughs> And on on that mysterious note, we'll wrap up this first segment of this week's podcast. We do have the news coming up next. So what do we have in this week's news, Matt? Well, we have got a bumper pre-order week. You'd be, you might think Christmas is coming up with all the stuff that's coming out from Games Workshop in the next week. Big one is Crondis and Karazai. The Sons of Dracothian, the Mighty Dragons, are here for the Stormcast Eternals. Plucking in at £95, this is a dual kit. They build, builds either of the two dragon brothers, the, the magical blue one or the angry red one. Spoilers, go for the angry red one. He's angry and he's red. Yeah, really, really cool looking set. I know a lot of people have been looking forward to it. Coming out alongside this, though, are the Stormbreak Guard. Clocking in at £68 is a little bit more expensive than they thought they might be, um, but it looks like a really cool kit. And obviously, you've got the option of building the character version out of that box as well. If you prefer your combat in the grim darkness of the far future, uh, they're doing a made to order on some old school chaplains. Now, there is a bit of nostalgia vibe to these, but these guys look so tiny now. Personally, yeah. I had to stick with some of the, the current chaplains. But, you know, Black Templars have got a bit of a fetish for chaplains, haven't they? So I'm sure there'll be a lot of people wanting to uh, add some more chaplains to their force. For Blood Bowl, we've got a load of stuff coming as well. Dungeon Bowl, the old school game of uh, Blood Bowl Underground, is coming next week. It seems like we only saw this five minutes ago, but this is on the way. £95. Looks really, really cool. If you're a Goblin player, bizarrely 
We've got a goblin pitch, goblin team cards, and dice on the way as well. Uh, there was dice for the original Goblin release. Um, obviously, with the new edition of Nec- uh, Necromunda, the new edition of Blood Bowl, the stat lines changed. So I think they've been pretty rapidly putting out these team decks and putting a pitch out at the same time, which makes sense, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a Goblin player, so I'll probably be picking these up. In Necromunda, we've got a load of stuff as well. The Underhive Outcasts Gang. This is a bunch of dudes that you can use to represent hangers-on in your game of Necromunda or build them as a gang of just various scum and villainy. They look really, really cool. I can see a lot of people using them for Chaos Cultists as well in games of Warhammer 40,000. They are £26. If you want to use them as a gang, Book of the Outcast is on the way as well at 28 quid. This looks to be... Obviously, we've had all the House of Books come out. This is a return to the Book of series. And yeah, it looks like it's got rules for using warbands made up of entirely outcasts, which again is in my interests. Mm. Now, we're fans of the Zone Mortalis range here at Sprues and Brews. And finally, the Underhive Market is coming. This is a set that lets you create a little market town in the centre of the Underhive, compatible with all the Zone Mortalis stuff. This looks really cool. I know you're tempted to pick up one of these, Dave, aren't you, to uh, expand your scenery collection? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Clocking in at £30, it does seem a little bit on the pricey side for what you get, but uh, it looks like you do get a fair amount of scatter scenery and stuff in there, which, you know, you can always use as kind of like waist-high cover to add a bit more of interest to your boards as well. Um, and you've also got Underhive Outcast cards coming. Again, I say this every time they up for pre-order. If you want these, you probably want to pre-order them because they disappear super, super quickly. Finally, from Forge World, we've got the Escher Chimerix coming for Necromunda. This is a horrific creature that's been crafted by the um, Gene Smiths. And uh, yeah, it looks horrible. You don't want to pick a fight with that. Meanwhile, did you know that it's the 20th anniversary of the Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring? Time flies when you're having fun, eh? <laughs> and this, this, this release has kind of come out of nowhere. Games which we've got the Battle in Balan's Tomb, which looks to be a self-contained board game featuring the miniatures that were in the plastic Fellowship of the Ring box. Not the original one that came out 20 years ago, but one that came out after the three editions of the game. I think it was the first one branded the um, Middle Earth Strategy Battle game. Uh, those miniatures haven't been available for a while all in one place. I think you can still get the Fellowship as a separate box, but the the Goblins I haven't seen for a long time, and the Plastic Cave Troll as well, so Mm. that looks super interesting, and it potentially has a bit more of a board game angle to it as well. £45 definitely seems a punt, especially, like, that seems one that you potentially play with the boys, Jay, doesn't it? Um, Play with the littlest one, yeah. The other two aren't interested, but the little one will play with us. And he'll probably play (laughs) the Goblins and the Cave Troll as well, knowing him, so that'd be cool. There we go. Uh, and then forward forward, I've got a couple of tiny, teeny tiny releases coming this week. For Adeptus Satanicus, we have got Armager Knights. I can't picture how big an Armager Knight is in the game of Adeptus Satanicus, but it's not going to be very big, is it? No, it's going to be so small. Yeah, so uh, uh, interesting. We mentioned last week this potentially opens the doors for um, other small things like, you know, Space Marines. That'd be cool, wouldn't it? Mm, tanks and stuff now as jay mentioned at the top of the show your pointer on the warcom site turns into a little dragon because it is dragon week on warhammer community because there's a load of dragons come in they're going into the full feel of dragons and the uh studio 
have actually done a bit of a rules revisement to the Dragon to the Stormcast in a, a first time they've ever done it, I think, before a model's actually been released. Um, gone over the War Scroll, given them a points increase because they found in the time between the book came out and the models coming out that the dragons are a little bit strong compared to how they should be. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think of this? Um, this, for me, is amazing. Um, simply because of the fact that they've addressed an issue before it's become an issue. Mm. Like looking at the Stormcast battle tome, you know, you, you could already see that dragons were going to be an issue. You know, they could fly over units, they can fly over screens, they can they do something in every phase. Yeah, they do something in every phase, and they're just so good at it that some armies just can't deal with it. So addressing it early is obviously a, a good way of getting ahead of it and it's also a bold move because before the dragons were released you know i bet there's tons of stormcast armies planning dragon armies and now some people will have to look at it and think is it still worth doing is it still as good as it was and personally i think it's still yeah dragon army is still viable it's just not going to be as over the top as it would have been yeah which is which is great because you don't want that you don't want people rocking up to an event or a friendly game or whatever and it's over turn one you know it's just not fair um and this points increase for me personally i think will address some of those issues and stop it before it happens so yeah yeah and i've got to say hats off to them putting this out before the dragons are even up for pre-order as well i mean they could well have released them and then the following week gone actually the points have gone up so you can't Mm. accuse them of trying to shift stock and then do points adjustments so i think that's pretty cool in the same article he also mentioned that there's going to be a um balance update similar to the 40k one that we had um a few weeks ago so that will be interesting to see whether some other armies see shifts in points based on what we've seen so far this edition i do quite like the idea of six monthly updates to the core games uh, it puts puts tournaments kind of more in a level pegging rather than having to wait for that annual general's handbook release doesn't it Absolutely. yeah i think uh, we're in a weird place with age sigma three as well because there's only two two battle tomes out for it currently so you'd mm-hmm. expect when the older battle tomes get looked at and re-released that you know i, I mean uh, it, the dragons they are very very strong and i think even with the points cut they're still very very strong but you can't deny they're not fun and i don't yeah, mind exactly. being strong you know and fun as long as there's strong and fun options in every battle tome yeah, yeah I, I'm, I hope, I'm hoping this balance status like for Age of Sigmar addresses things like the uh, 30 pink horror host duplicitous where you can't retreat from them, the um, um, Lumineth spirit list with the um, spirit of the winds where, you know, they get to effectively move 12 inches in your opponent's shooting phase, you know, even things like Marathi and the bow snakes, which... Has become a bit of a, a bit of a joke, you know, like a band name sort of thing. You know, you look at daughters of Cain's army, daughter of Cain armies, and they're all Marathi and fifteen bow snakes. So I'm I'm hoping that this balanced data slate sort of fixes those negative play experiences that we we might get in you know two or three months. Yeah, you know? I mean, obviously, hopefully, we're going to the the team event, the Age Sigma team event this weekend. And looking at some of the armies, some of the armies have this, or what I've just described. And for me personally, I, 
I'm not gonna lie, I was a little bit put off looking at the looking at the lists. Um and again, hopefully this band state sleep sorts that so that it brings some of those top table silly armies a bit bit more down and a bit more on level footing with other armies. So mm. yeah. I yeah. think you'll get that with um most of the older books. So there's always a strong build for that edition and points come round and there's another strong build and that's the best you know, if you want to take the the strongest army you can from that book there's always like a cutty cutter list i don't know how they fix it seems to be more of a problem in age of sigmar than in warhammer 40k with warhammer 40k you tend to get lots of different lists whereas in age of sigmar there tends to be like one one gimmick for a battle tome that you you put everything into and then, then that's your i don't know i think it's because yeah. obviously in, in age of sigmar you're buying your units your army by units so there's kind of a fixed cost isn't there where yeah. in, in 40k there's more granularity because you're buying things per model and per weapon, yeah. aren't you? Do you think yeah. it also could have something to do with in Age of Sigmar? You just you have a flat stat line, so you always hit on a free, you always wound on a free. It doesn't matter what you're fighting against. See, I think it's the lack of options. I mean, you look at 40k and you look at the average unit entries for most books, and it's probably what around 30 to 40 units per book. Whereas you look at Age of Sigmar, and I, you know, most of the average is probably like 15. I mean, you look at Iden of Deepkin, they've got, what, like yeah. 10 units. Fire Slayers have got about 10 units, but six of six or seven of them are characters. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. It, for me, I think it's the lack of options for, for a lot of those, especially older battle tomes. I suppose that's it. 40k is on its ninth edition, whereas Age Sigma is still only in third edition. There's still some books out there from the previous. Well, yeah, there's only everyone got an Age Sigma second edition book, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, just I don't know for Maggotkin, but we know Maggotkin will come in hopefully. You know, well, we said December, didn't they? So. Mm. Yeah, I'm just I don't know whether it's something that can be fixed with points reductions. I think you're always gonna have that. I maybe I mean Path to Glory, obviously this is a different sort of way you approach the game, so you don't tend to get that problem so much. Um, maybe um, it's well, just a match guess, play thing. Yeah, Path to Glory's got a lot more built in limitations, limiting your number of characters, casters, yeah. that kind of stuff as well. Which arguably I'd kinda like to see in in match play, harkening back to the old like what was it? 50% characters, 25% monsters, all those kind of things. Yeah. I think that might, yeah, like you say, just a different approach to army building. Because if you're going to a tournament and you want to, you know, your your objective for that tournament is to win, why wouldn't you take Marathi and the Bow Snakes? If you don't take Marathi and the Bow Snakes, you're sort of handicapping yourself. And that's that's the problem you don't have with 40k. And yeah, I don't know. I don't think I don't think points changes are going to do much to, to limit that. But then again, you know, there are different ways to play Sigma. So if you're playing in that mindset to win games at tournaments, of course, that's the experience you're going to get going against other tournament players. But in your um, game clubs and, you know, around your friend's house, you don't have to play with that mindset and you can sort of um, live it it. down. Yeah. Or or maybe, maybe, you know, okay, these are the best lists from this book. Let's not play with those lists. Let's play with other lists. Um, Because it all goes around in cycles as well. Marathi and Bow Snakes is powerful today, but that wasn't the best. Um, thingy book. I mean, I remember when it was like tons and tons of the, um, uh, the regular sisters with the um, <laughs> different um, priests buffing them all. Yeah, yeah. So, Mind yeah. Razor. Oh, yeah, amazing. and everyone took that to tournaments. Um, so, uh, you know, they, they just made them a bit more expensive and made the, the bow snakes a bit cheaper. And then they, obviously the the um, 
the not the the equivalent of like the storm host and things play into all that and buff all that. So like you say, if you're going to win a tournament, that's the list you're going to take. Mm. Yeah, it, I'll, be, I'll be interested to see how things settle out once there's more battle tomes out. Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head, Jay. A lot of these books, majority of the books are written for the previous edition now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously, our Bone Reapers will be an interesting one because obviously all those command abilities and things we've got now, they are a key part of third edition. But Osiart Bone Reapers don't get access to them. Uh, be interested to see how they look at that going forward. Although I do think Osiart Bone Reapers, didn't they have some good results in the recent tournament? Yeah, I think, they, um, it. <laughs> I think they won a, a two-day age Sigma this coming this last weekend, just gone Bo- yeah. Bobo, I think it was. That's so, pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, so watch this space, I guess. I, I, I do reckon we'll see some substantial changes to some older box just to bring things in line. And no doubt we'll have a whole show about that when it happens. Yeah, do you think um, do you think we'll see more than just points cuts then in this balance patch? Because because for um, the 40k one, we saw more than just points cuts. Yeah, I, I think we might see some sub, sub, substantial changes to some armies, in particular the older ones, really, I reckon. Yeah. But we'll see. I might be wrong. It might just be points changes. Who knows? Um, keeping on the dragon news, we saw some more dragons. We saw Easterling Black Dragons, who are not actual dragons, but they look really cool. So uh, as part of the, um, the the Defense of the North book that's come in for, um, for the Middle Earth strategy battle game, which is um, basically the war in Erebor during the War of the Ring, which is a really, uh, we've been chatting about this in the past, haven't we, Jay? It's kind of an interesting period that we don't really see much of, and it's cool to see what is happening at that time uh, presumably going to be dwarves versus um, Easterlings, which is cool because uh, I think all of us middle earth fans have got interest in those armies, haven't we? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I started painting up some Easterlings. I think it was last year, just as like a random impulse buy. And yeah, I think I've, I've been wanting to expand that force um, for a while. So I think when this, um, Sourcebook does eventually hit the shelves. I'm going to be, um, yeah, jumping into it pretty, pretty hard. But I mean, this is a great thing about Middle Earth as well. You don't need a huge amount of models. No. So, you know, I say expanding my army, it might just be like 12 models. So, you Correct. know. Yeah. These, these Black Dragons look really cool as well, don't they? Oh, God. Yeah. 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 I think I'm going to be adding at least two boxes of these. <laughs> the, the, are these um, there used to be some Eastlings. Are these like a resculpt of an existing unit or a brand new unit? This is a brand new unit. So the article okay. says it's an upgrade you can take on your Eastlings that gives them plus one fight and plus one courage, and you use right. these four job models to represent them having those upgrades. This is a nice way of doing it. Cool. So yeah, they look pretty tasty. Uh, I'm I'm hoping that book comes out this this side of Christmas because um, I, re- I'm, I really want to see it basically. <laughs> now. 2022 i imagine we're going to have a lot of models aren't we can have a lot of books and have a lot of boxed games how would you like to win every single release from games workshop <laughs> that'd be pretty cool yeah. that would be pretty cool well for every 10 pounds that you spend between the 22nd of november which is today and the 1st of january your name goes into a draw two lucky people get picked uh, and they win every single release from games workshop every plastic kit every every battle tome every codex every box game even every black library book basically the only thing you don't get are forge world releases and limited edition releases <laughs> that is a bananas good prize 
Uh, they said on the article, at the end of the month, you will get a big box filled with everything that's come out that month. Wow. But that's both a blessing and a curse, isn't it? My, <laughs> it is, isn't it? <laughs> my pile of shame would just like skyrocket. It'd be overflowing. It would. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty amazing prize. Yeah, it's superb prize. So, yeah, so get on that. If you uh, spend some pennies between now and January, you might have a chance of winning every single thing from Games Workshop, which is terrifying. <laughs> now, we mentioned earlier in the show about the uh, the new Christmas Battle Force boxes. Now, I'd, we'd not seen any of these. They hadn't been in the Christmas Guide. Games Workshop had been a little bit quiet on them. So I'd kind of assumed, oh, maybe we're not going to see them. We'll see some, like, bundle offers on the website. But no, we have got some Christmas Battle Forces come in for um, Age of Sigmar and 40k. Now, we'll run through quickly what's in these boxes. So there's a Soul Blight Gravelords one with a load of zombies, 40 zombies in there, 20 skeletons, five blood knights, and Evangorian Lord. The value of this box I've clocked at £184.50. Now, assuming that these boxes are £125 as they were last year, and that's not guaranteed, that's a pretty good That's a pretty good box. We've got a Slanesh one, which has pretty much got one of each of the new kits from the range. You've got 10 of the... Um, Painbringers, you've got Fiend Bloods in there, you've got Bliss Barb Archers, you've got Exalted Seekers, and you've got a Shard Speaker. The contents of this box would be 130, sorry, £196.50. There's a Lumineth one that's got a um, a Lord Regent, a Banner Blade, Aurelian Wardens, Blade Lords, Dawn Riders, and a Ballista. That would be £199.50. There is an Ossiarch Bone Reaper one, Andy, that you hmm. mentioned earlier. Uh, has a Bone Shaper, a Soul Reaper, 20 Mortec Guard, three Necropolis Stalkers, um, a Harvester, and a Mortec Crawler. That one's the lowest value AOS one, but still pretty good at £180 worth of stuff in there. Yeah, that, that one for me, I I kind of look at it, like I've got one Mortec Crawler, I'd want a second one. I've got one Goffster Harvester, I want a second one. Uh, I've got six necropolis stalkers but i want some more discard so yeah this one's really appealing to me yeah i mean they all look pretty good really the aos ones i like that's the next one because i've got none of the models in the box so that one also appeals to me space marines have got the highest value box clocking in at 208 pounds worth of stuff in it you get a captain you get the multi-part blade guard veterans you get 10 intercessors 10 assault intercessors five heavy intercessors and a storm speeder mm. it's a good really box good size box. yeah really good box for any space marine legion i'd say yeah uh like i say 200 pounds worth of stuff in there there's a sisters of battle one that has got a box of battle sisters a box of the new Celestian Sacrosancts that have only been out a few months, uh, an Immolator, an Exorcist, and a Sister Dog Martyr. That one, £185.50, pretty good. Uh, Adeptus Mechanicus box is a bit of a random assortment of stuff in this one. You get some Taraxi, some Rust Dorkers, some Cerberus Raiders, a Iron Strider Balistari, Tenskitari, and a Manipulus. Value-wise, this is the poorest. Well, it's not the second to poorest 40k one. 182 pound 50 worth of stuff. But again, assuming that they're 125 pounds each, you're still saving quite a bit of money on those. Yeah. Death Guard one looks all right, I'd say. Looks okay. You get a champion, 
and an icon bearer, along with seven plague marines, a death shroud terminator box, three blight haulers, and a plague burst crawler. This one I think is let down by the fact that 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 icon bearer and the the champion are essentially taking the place of what could be another kit in this one. Mm-hmm. They do kind of inflate the cost of a squad of uh, plague marines, don't they? They do, they do. They, uh, it was a random decision that was to release those two in separate blisters. But this one was tempting to me because actually that 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 quite nicely rounds out what I wanted for um, the Death Guard, like a second plague burst crawler, more uh, haulers, and uh, importantly that unit of Death Shroud Terminators. Yeah, and when a lot of the other ones are good as a start collecting, this one doesn't even have any HQ in it. Yeah. As an expansion for an existing force, or maybe if you had Dark Imperium and wanted to bring that force into a full like 2,000 point list, seems mm-hmm. a good buy for that. If you're yeah. new into the game, arguably, I think a combat patrol is probably a better entry point, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, we then got a Necrons one. This one looks okay, I'd say. You get a squad of Necron warriors. Uh, you get a Locust heavy destroyer, three Ethereum destroyers, five flayed ones, two Canoptic Doomstalkers, and a Psychomancer. Again, bit of a random assortment of models. £190 it would be for the component parts. I know you've been tempted by this one for the uh, for your Necron Force as well, Dave. Yeah, well, I'm currently building up the... Uh, imp- I'm, I'm subscribed to Imperium. Um, if I got this box, I'd be tempted to, to cancel that Imperium, even though there's some more stuff in there coming. Um, See, I'd, I'd argue, buy the issues of Imperium with these contents, you'd get it cheaper than this box. Yeah, like the flayed yeah. ones, for example... You can get how much is an issue of Imperium? Seven ninety nine. Yeah. You can get five flayed ones for seven ninety nine in a very soon edition. That's in a couple of weeks' time. True, true. Uh, it's still a good box though. Yeah, it is. It is. And then finally, we've got one that isn't so great, unfortunately. The Orc one has five knobs, twenty boys, ten Gretchen, a uh, Death Killer War Trike, a big mech with shock attack gun, and a Daka Jet. Mm. Majority of this is older models, and value-wise, 175. I've clocked it as being the lo- lowest value box that they've done here. The Orc Boys, I believe, are also the old plastic ones as well, not the new push-fit ones from the um, Combat Patrol. Right. And it just seems a, a random hodgepodge of stuff. You've got your um, Death Killer War Trike speeding ahead of all your fl- slug and infantry. Mm. Just thematically, I don't know. I don't get that one. So that one gets a pass, unfortunately. I'd have liked, especially with all the new B-Snagger stuff coming out, even if they had some flash kits or something in there, some of the newer kits just to give it a bit more value rather than knobs, maybe. Maybe a bit picky yeah. on that one, but I don't know. It's a pass for me, the Orc one, unfortunately. Yeah, they could have done the B-Snaggers, couldn't they? You could easily fill out a, a Battle Force box with just the B-Snagger stuff. Yeah, it just seems a bit of a shame that we've got these old Orc boys in there. But, again... If you are starting an Orc army and you do want to use those models, you're saving £50 off the RRP. Arguably, some of these older kits you could probably get quite a bit cheaper from third parties. So. Especially those is, Orcs. Oh, yeah, especially especially those Orc boys. You can probably pick them up quite cheap on Tinternet. And, yeah, that is the, the mega info dump of news we've got this week. Oof. Yeah, it was a fairly sizable section, that one. Some really cool stuff on the way, especially those Stormcast Dragons, because lots of people have been eagerly anticipating those. We're going to take a slight pause, and then we're going to come back with a chat about tournaments, so we'll be right back. So for this next segment, we're going to be talking about tournaments. A bit of a broad 
kind of subject uh, on this week's topic and because i think actually well i know for a fact that all four of us have now been to tournaments i actually thought back when we were we were talking about doing this topic this week when we first started this podcast guys none of us had been to a tournament i remember us talking about like our reservations about going and stuff like that Um, yeah it's interesting how it's gone like full you know (laughs) full circle now we, we we always played with like friends or in a small group. I'd had very few games in a local store really, and a tournament's a bit of a a scary moment because you're playing with random people that you've potentially never played against for the first time, and where a friendly game in in your head's a lot more forgiving. Certainly me, I was a bit like, oh, you know, what if I forget a rule? What if I I don't know what this unit does? What if I'm flicking through the book trying to check things and I think we all had similar anxieties about going to our first ever event, didn't we? Yeah, absolutely. So me, Jay and Matt, you know, we've we've been to our, you know, a good share of tournaments now. But Andy, you have had quite a few tournaments. In fact, you've even helped run tournaments. (laughs) So I think you are best qualified to lead us in this segment. Yeah, so I've been going to tournaments now since, um, well, about 10 years now. it started when I went to um, our, our local games workshop opened up and I met um, a guy called Craig, who's become a sort of a lifelong friend now. And um, we used to go to like Warhammer Fantasy campaign weekends, throwing schools, all these sort of like big events. Um, we've been to a lot of um, independent events like Bloom Glory and South Coast GT. So I've been to um, quite a lot of um, a variety of different events you know obviously we went to the um, escape from Pancalis crusade event i've been to some um, warhammer achievements events which um, i'll talk about in a little bit later which were so so much fun and a very different take on on tournaments and stuff so i wanted to do this segment just to just to run through events in general you know if you're going to your tournament for your first time what to expect what do you need to do beforehand and then even you know going to tournaments for 10 years you know what what keeps me going what keeps me coming back and then obviously you know like you said um as part of the purple sparkly unicorns me and craig um run a lot of events i mean i'm not gonna lie craig runs most of the events and i'm sort of like the little helper for the day but um, yeah, I thought it'd be cool just to to go through and chat about um, going to events and tournaments and stuff for you for your first time. Um, so uh, w- when you go to a tournament, when you go to an event, the first thing I recommend you do, and this is certainly because this is something you can do even before you buy a ticket, even before you you, you start, you know, thinking, oh, I need to build and paint a new army for this sort of thing, is read the event pack. Now. Mm reading the event pack uh, you know even i've been caught out in previous um like campaign weekends at warhammer and stuff like that where you need to bring an extra model to represent you know a a realm walker or um, a special character or something that you can level up throughout the event and stuff like that so if i hadn't read the event pack i wouldn't know that i needed to do that and i'd get caught out and it also gives you um Again, this is something I'll expand on a little bit later. Is your expectations for the event. You know, again, Warhammer World, one of the amazing things about Warhammer World is they do a variety of different events. Obviously, you know, COVID's still a thing, so, you know, events aren't happening every weekend. But, 
you know, you, you can get campaign weekends, you can get crusade events, you can get um, GTs, you can get heats and all this sort of stuff. And the event pack really gives you an, an idea of what to expect from a tournament. So, for example, um, you know, cam, uh, campaign weekends and friend schools, they they score it based on not just how many games you win, but how many favorite game votes you get and how many favorite army votes you get. Whereas if you go to a competitive match play tournament, they score it primarily on, you know, for 40K, for example, they score it on wins, then they score it on victory points, and then they score it on like secondaries and stuff like that. So it really is winning the game. And that's kind of the difference between events. And reading the event pack gives you an idea of what to expect. Now, I don't know about you guys, but for me personally, my first ever event was a campaign weekend, and I felt that a lot more relaxing and a lot easier to get into than some of these more competitive match play events. Yeah, well, me, me and Jay are the same. Our first event was at Warhammer World, and it was a Throne of Schools, which, again, it's, it's, a, it's a much lighter event where part of the scoring is favourite game votes and, 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 and painting votes and all that kind of stuff, rather than it being geared fully on you know play things yeah and and that for me is as time has gone on as i've gone to more events i've gone from being trying to be a competitive player and win a bunch of events and all this sort of well i haven't won any events (laughs) but i've gone from this mentality of trying to to do that trying to win every single game to the mentality of i just want to turn up roll some dice have a laugh try and stay around those mid tables sort of thing and for me that I, I think that's one of those things when you when you go to a few events and you get that expectation of what you want from an event you get almost for me personally I find events nice and relaxing and, and not stressful or I mean obviously you know this hobby shouldn't be stressful it shouldn't be an issue because if it is why are you doing it but for me I love like Throne of Schools and, and Campaign Weekends for that because simply because I've got to that stage where I'm like I, I just don't enjoy playing competitive anymore you know I, I remember going to one of the GT finals at Warhammer World and I was kind of like do I met what's called meta chasing where you you look at the armies that are doing really well you look at the army lists that are doing really well and you build and paint specifically that list to go to a tournament and I got to a stage where I was just like, you know what? I'd quite happily just paint up some random ogres. Love and behold, now I've got an ogre more drives army because of it, you know, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so reading the event pack is obviously important. It gives you an idea. Uh, reading your rules, again, if you go to a competitive event, for me personally, I would want my opponent to know what their army does. Now, obviously, you know, if you're on the top tables, yeah, I, I expect you to know what your army does and your rules and stuff like that. If you're on those mid and bottom tables, you, you take your time. You know, for me personally, we're in no rush. I'm happy if we get to turn three, you know, that sort of stuff. But obviously, if you read your rules ahead of time, you've got some prep work done, you know what to expect. You know what your army does. You know, Lumineff, for example, you've got tons of magic spells. So maybe even if you write a cheat sheet 
just to remind yourself, oh, okay, all my wardens can do this, all my sentinels can do this, my dog riders can do this, etc., etc. I mean, you can almost plan out. I know there's a website called Age of Sigmar Reminders, and you can actually import your list from War Squirrel Builder, and it tells you what your army does in the hero phase, in the movement phase, shooting phase, etc., etc., to help speed your game up. So doing things like that, I wish I'd known when I was getting into it. So obviously reading your rules is obviously important. The next thing is being prepared. And this is something that I've been caught out in a few times is just bringing stuff with you. So I've been to tournaments and I brought one tape measure with me and the tape measures broke. Right. So now when I go to a tournament, I always take two with me. Same thing with uh, pens. You know, just taking pens as well. Most tournaments will have them, you know, Warhammer World, they have tons of pens, you know, no issue. But if you go to an independent tournament, they might not have pens. And it's just simple, simple thing, little things like that, which, um, again, is, is something you pick up on over time. Um, the next big thing is gaming etiquette. So what I mean by that is how you present yourself on the table. And I've, I don't know about you guys, hopefully it's not been an issue, but I've had a few people that I've played against over the years that I would never play again. And I actively avoid at tournaments. Thankfully, yeah, I, the list is very small, but. Thankfully, very few. I think <laughs> me and Dave have played an opponent on a doubles tournament and it was not an enjoyable experience. It that was not. is probably the only game of Warhammer I've not enjoyed, though. Yeah, and I, I think, again, going to these events, and, and I don't want to take anything away from the competitive scene, because, I, I, again, from Age of Sigma, I know the Age of Sigma scene much better than I do before the 40k scene, but the Age of Sigma scene, even the most competitive top table players, for the most part, are absolutely sound. They know what they do. You've got a question, you can ask them. But they're lovely. You know, for the most part, everyone is lovely in this hobby, for the most part. But just little things like um, introducing yourself at the beginning of the game. Um, I can't tell you the amount of people that don't do that. And, and for really? me, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and for me, I don't want to get halfway through a game and then wonder what my opponent's name is. Bit awkward. So again, it's just little things like introducing yourself. Um, rolling dice. Now, <laughs> you might might think to yourself, well, rolling dice, how difficult is that? But rolling dice where your opponent can see them is huge. It's monumental. I've had games in the past where people need a 10-inch charge and they've rolled it behind a building and they've picked it up before I can see the dice. Mm-hmm. And you, you never want to put your opponent in that position where they have to say, re-roll it where I can see it, please. You know, you never want to do that. And even things with um, cock dice as well. You know, just say to your opponent, are you happy with that result? Do you want me to roll it? For the most part, if it's cocked, just say, oh, it's cocked. Do you mind if I re-roll that? Nine out of ten people will say, yeah, that's fine. That's no problem. Um, you know, just little things like that. Um, telling your opponent what you intend to do. This is another big one. Um, you know, if you say to your opponent, oh, um, I'm going to stay within 12 inches, hollow within 12 inches of this model to get the plus one to wound you don't want to get to the combat phase and then your opponent goes oh they're not wholly within 12 and you're like well 
my intention was this. Do you mind if I move back a little bit? So they are. Yeah, that's no problem. Again, most people will be fine. Just little things like that. Um, even saying, you know, oh, um, can your uh, raider with a dark lance see my dreadnought from where it is? If your opponent says no, great, wicked. But if you, you don't want to get to that stage where you've agreed something with your opponent and then they go back on it. Um, you know, see, on, try- a, on, on a related note, Andy, now again, we're, we're not top tier tournament players, but if I'm playing against an opponent and I realise that they've missed something, I'll tend to point out, oh, did, did you want to do X, Y, Z with that unit? Because I wouldn't want to have an unfair advantage just because they've missed a special rule that they've got or an ability that they've got. Yeah, so so my next point was the um, the gotcha moment, um, and which you've just addressed again, especially at like a throne scores campaign weekend sort of things like that. Remind your opponent, you know, just be like, oh, um, do you know, do you want to redeploy? Because again, even I, I don't think about redeploying an Age of Sigmar at all. Um, and if your opponent sort of goes, oh, do you want to redeploy? Do you want to un- unleash hell? And, you know, all this sort of stuff. Or be like, oh, you know, um, you didn't cast a spell with your wardens and stuff. Do you want to go back? And I think that is so important, especially for sportsmanship, just mm. to remind your opponent about the little things so you don't catch them out. Yeah, I've I've helped quite a few uh, opponents in the past. Even though you know I'd love to go to an event one day and actually do okay, um, I you know I never want to see my opponents sort of forget a really key. But I remember having a game once and they kind of set up for a psychic power and then completely forgot to, to forget to cast a psychic power. And I was like, hold on, you've 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 missed that bit and we've we've gone back um, a few sort of minutes to so we could do that psychic power. It just makes the game, you know, that's that's what you intended to do. Yeah, it's like I, at the um, like at the the, the crusade event that we had the other weekend. Uh, I, I forget who it was, but I was playing a guy, and there was a unit with like plasma pistols in combat, and he'd forgotten that you could actually fire pistols in close combat. And mm. since they were one of the weapons that could actually take a big chunk out of my squigs, I was like, oh, you, you, do I shoot with those guys first? Yeah, yeah. It, it's just things like that, but makes the game feel more friendly it's it, it again as the time's gone over i've got less i've got more casual and less competitive a competitive event it's not really up to your opponent to remind you to do stuff like that but at a nice friendly event and i i, I say it's not a competitive event it comes down to the, the players doesn't it really but i think all four of us would remind our opponent about stuff that they might have forgotten and it's something that i think is extremely important to do just to be a good sport and stuff and it's better to have any kill rates uh, on the other side of the table this is it yeah. <laughs> uh, telling reminding dave that my varangard can pile in twice because he always forgets oh, <laughs> that always gets me always 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 gets me but yeah going back to the um intention stuff um you know looking at charges agree with your opponent the distance you need to roll before you roll the dice yeah because it, you know little things like going oh, okay um it's an eight inch charge you know get your tape measure out visibly show them get them to not not don't get them to sign you know an agreement say that it's a nine inch charge or anything but just say oh it's eight inch charge you know they go yeah it's an eight inch charge you roll a dice you roll an eight i've had it in the past where people have turned around and gone oh actually it's nine inch charge after agreeing it's a seven inch charge and i'm like 
you know it it's it, it comes down to being a good sport isn't it but again if you set out your intentions clearly uh, again it, it, your opponent's got no excuse and you can have an easier game because of it um getting your opponent to check the scores um again when you when you get to the end of a game and again i'm looking at warhammer world events for this you get to the end of a game you've got a scorecard you fill out the scorecard just show your opponent the scorecard once you filled it out get them to look at it in case you've made a mistake or something along those lines um because again you, 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 there's a level of trust especially when you go and you hand in a scorecard at the end of an event you don't want situations to arise where you know and again i'm using my own experience here where i've gone to events and i've won a game but then going into the next round my opponent is on a higher table than me and i've always wondered you know why why, why was that what 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 happened and stuff so again just just getting your opponent to to check the scores and stuff um or or you know even yourself you know just check the scores just be like okay you filled it out do you mind if i just check it quickly yeah okay no problem that's fine you know it's just little things like that um writing down the scores um keep track of who scores um obviously 40k you know you've got primary objectives you've got secondary objectives age sigma again you've got the mission objectives then you've got your battle tactics and stuff like that and even again going back to reminding your opponent you know, Age of Sigma, I always forget that you get an extra point each battle round for killing a monster. Right? Again, you know, stuff like that, one or two points every battle round can make a big difference, right? Mm-hmm. So, again, you know, writing down the scores, keeping track of the game, you eliminate those, any potential issues that can arise at the end of the game. You know, your opponent might be like, well, I'm on 19 points, you're on. 17 points when actually you might be 1919 but they've forgotten to write one or two scores down you know keeping track of your scores in a game is obviously you know it, it, it's important and then keep managing your expectations again like i said i've gone from being quite a competitive or i like to think i was quite a competitive player uh, meta chasing all the time to being quite a casual player you know I like to build armies now based on collections of models rather than a specific army list in mind. Um, I don't know about you guys, how you like to do it, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I always like to have a theme to the army. Like but the first time I went to a Warhammer world, I had uh, Archeon and the Vanguard before they were good. And it's just by luck. It's now actually a really good list. But it was never, I never went out to, to get it because it was good. I'd always get a model first because it looks cool. Same with the fire slayers. I, I don't know. I think I think you two are the same, aren't you, Jay and Dave? It's more about the the looks of the army over the performance of the army. Yeah, if there's if there's a unit that performs really really well, but I don't like the models, I, I you know I won't pick them up. You know, they they might be great, but I'm just not going to enjoy building and painting them. So that's more important to me. Yeah, and and this is this is the thing, isn't it? Everyone hobbies differently. Um, I, again, I used to do in the past, even if a model was horrible and you know I didn't like it, if it was good, I would buy it, I would build it, I would paint it, and I would run it. And now I'm just not in that mentality. You know, I've got um the Osseo Bone Reapers 
primary example. I've got a Soul Reaper in my um, collection. Not mostly, you know, not the most competitive choice by any stretch of imagination, but I've got the model built and painted and I want to use it. So and yeah. it, looking at my Mortec Guard, um, I had two units of 10 and a unit of five Death Riders. Well, to, to finish off the army, I want another 20 Mortec Guard just to bump up both units to 20, just so they, they last at least one or two rounds of combat sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And when you go to an event, for me personally, I go to the event with the expectation, um, you know, let's take a, a competitive match play event. I know I am not going to win the event, right? Hand, hands down, I'm not going to win the event. And for me personally, you know, there are so many better players out there. There's so many smarter people out there than me that I sort of look at myself and think, I am happy if I win two games. And for me, once that expectation is set, I can go to an event. And even if I lose the first two games, if I win the third, I'm like, yes, awesome, great. I've got one game. I just need to win one more game on on the Sunday. And you go into the Sunday, you win game four. You're like, sweet, awesome. This is amazing. You know, and just setting those expectations of what you want to do. Even, again, looking at campaign weekends and friend schools. If you say to yourself, I just want to get two sports votes because my previous event, I only got one. And, you know, looking at um, some of the things I've said, you know, good gaming etiquette, you know, telling your opponent what you intend to do, you know, just being clear, having them take take backs and all this sort of stuff. That, that sort of stuff can help you get that second favourite game vote. And again, this hobby means different things to different people. But again, you know, if you go to an event, going okay i just want to get two favorite game votes you know you might lose all five of your games but as long as you get those two favorite game votes you're happy and i think it's that sense of achievement that really drives people to win these games and really play but if you're not winning what is that sense of achievement what do you get so the last thing i want to talk about is something that fingers crossed we'll be talking about on next week's episode (laughs) (laughs) is setting yourself some challenges, setting yourself some goals for weekend. I mean, I did um, for my hobby resolution, um, not last year, because obviously that was year of COVID, but the year before of going to a two day Age of Sigma event and never voluntarily taking the double turn. Because I always wanted to see, because you do get some games where the double turn, just steamroll as your opponent, right? And and you just win the game because it it does happen. It's one of those things. But wouldn't it be cool if you went to an event and that never happened? And there's a bit of um, um what's the best way to describe it? Like a, a a mini game going on where your opponent's like, oh, you've won the priority, you've won the game, and you go, oh no, you take the turn, and we're like, why? You know, and, and you don't tell them until the end of the game, you know, this sort of stuff. I mean, I think me and Matt, we went to a throne of scores, didn't we, a couple of years ago. And and this was one of my challenges. And this was the, the whole point of the weekend for me was just to play five games over two days and never voluntarily take the double turn because it was one of my hobby resolutions. Yeah, yeah to the point where you would have won, won that game if you'd have taken the double turn. <laughs> yeah. And, and this is it, isn't it? Like it. It just sets yourself some some different goals and different things to do. I mean, um, oh, God, I've got the list to hand. But I've set myself, um, 
like a list of like 20 different things to do at the, the team tournament. And hopefully, you know, fingers crossed it goes ahead that all four of us can do. And it makes like a little friendly competition within the team. And, you know, even things like um, make a make ten... the best elf win. Yeah, make the best elf win. I mean, <laughs> you know. Uh, I, yeah, even making a a, a ten inch charge or killing eight heroes or oh, hang um, on, you're gonna give Dave a chance here. Is there anything in there for Dave? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, know, you know what? You know what? I, I just thought of one, Andy. Uh, that that still only counts as one. Most heroes killed by your warlord. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, and and this is the thing, isn't it? Like even if we lose all five games at the team tournament again fingers crossed it's going ahead even if we lose all five games each game you can aim for something and i think when we were talking about the escape from pancatlas last weekend one of the big things was even if you lost your game you got something out of it right you, you, yeah you enjoyed it for a different reason and um i mean the idea came to me um i think it was a war how many community article and there was um a website called warhammer achievements and they do like um, a ranking system based upon your achievement points so if you go to an event um there's a, an award called the highlander um, award where you go to an event and you can you can't duplicate any war scrolls in your army list mm. so it, it, again it only works if you've only if you've got three or more battle line um choices so you know some armies you know you, you can't run it but um you know just doing something like that for me personally that that lowers that expectation of winning so much that i end up enjoying the games even more yeah so for me i, I think going forward that's how i'm going to play events and tournaments and stuff is almost write a, a a list of challenges for me to do at events and stuff to make the games more and not, not so much more enjoyable because again if you don't enjoy the games why are you why are you playing them but um yeah for for me i stuff like that just just makes events um really enjoyable and, and hopefully you know listeners at home um you guys have, have got something um from me rambling on about events and tournaments and stuff like that um but when you go to your next event it, you might pick up on things like even again like i said rolling dice where your opponent can see them so little things like that, that over you know i don't even want to remember how many events i've been to where i've been rolling dice where my opponent can't see you know and it, it just little things like that over time you learn these sort of things and yeah the, the hobby has become so much more enjoyable for me because of it so yeah no excellent and um, I'm, I'm so glad i think that the, the big point is if you haven't been to a tournament give it a go um, yeah they're, exactly. they're a lot of fun there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of um accessible maybe is the right word uh, certainly, the yeah, Throne of Schools at Warhammer World a great event because half the half the scorings on New Game and Prowess, the other half's on what they call soft points. And uh, me, me and you went to one, Andy, where I'd brought the big ridiculous corn dragon <laughs> and had a whale of a time flying around, smashing stuff 
it was great fun. I only won three games, but somehow managed to get, I think, five favourite army votes and four favourite player votes, which somehow propelled me up the leaderboards. <laughs> which, yeah. in, in that, that kind of meant more to me than actually winning the game. I'd happily lose every game that I played as long as the other person thought it was a fun game, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, when you go to an event, it, it it's a it's how you spend your time, isn't it? Let's face it. It for me personally, I wouldn't want to go to a super competitive tournament and stuff like that because that's just not me anymore. I know that if I went to those events, it'd be because I'm going with friends who are who are going to those events to you know either to win or to play their army or whatever. Because for me, it's it's about that social um, enjoyment of it. And going to all the events I've been to over the years, the amount of people that I would call my friends because of events and stuff like that is you know. I dare to think what my life would be like if I hadn't started going to events. I mean, I don't think the the four of us would be here recording tonight if it weren't for events. I mean, I probably wouldn't be here recording tonight because if I hadn't been going to events and and meeting you guys and and, and chatting to you and stuff about this hobby. So, yeah, yeah. I, I think anyone who's who's on the fence about going to events and stuff like that is, yeah, j- just do it. Just go for it. Uh, again, read the event pack. Think about what you want to do. Um, and another big one, um, just to end on, is I hate painting models now for an event. I don't like doing it the week before an event. I've, I mean, I've had it where I've been painting um, the rim of model bases as the um, tournament organiser has been reading out the first round draw. (laughs) (laughs) I never want to go back to that sort of level. So, you know, looking at like the the team tournament for this weekend, I painted up my Gargan army back in, I think it was May or June sort of time, by the time I actually finished it. And that's that's the army I'm taking because I don't want to paint any more models (laughs) Uh, for for the time. I I want to take my time and, and slowly paint up these models. And, and then take it, you know, I want to take my Bone Reapers to an event next year. I've spent all of this year painting it up without a deadline so I can take that time and, and do it that way. So, yeah, like, like it, I, I, I think all four of us, you know, yeah, love events and, and can't wait to go to the next one. So, like you say, there are a lot of it's from the people that you play. I've met, met loads of cool people at events. Shout out to Charles Nolan. Don't know if any of you guys have played him. Absolutely gorgeous corn army and we met each other on the, the, the site of battle and he had Scarbrand, i had archeon and we were like should we just forget the actual mission and do a bit of narrative here Scarbrand's trying to kill archeon archeon's trying to get Scarbrand in the sword go at it and we just had the most ridiculous game of warhammer ever but it was so much fun yeah. obviously not gonna be able to do that at, you know a, a, a gt or something but the fact that we both kind of went into the fun side of it was just such a great game. And then ever since then, when I've played him again or, you know, met him in Warhammer Worlds, we've always thought back to that. Oh, what a good game that was. Yeah. yeah. I, I I mean, I, I went to, um, I met um, Chris at a an event called Warhammer Achievements, which Steve Wren ran before he became the um, event manager at Warhammer World. And there was a guy there called Steve Foote. 
And every year, Steve would bring a brand new army with new theme. And I think the first year I went to um, South Coast GT, like back in 2016, I think it was, he did a Tomb King army and his display board was the Ark of the Covenant from <laughs> um, Indiana Jones. And it was so big that it took two people to carry it. And it was just so yes. funny because you could see where Steve was at all times during the event based on where this Ark of the Covenant was. <laughs> and, and again, for, for, for Steve, you know, I, was, I mean, I'm not Steve. I can't speak on his behalf. But I think Steve goes to events because he enjoys that sort of stuff. He enjoys making those armies. He enjoys the narrative. And, yeah, I, I think events and stuff are what you get out of them. Ultimately, that, that's what they are. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, if you've um, been to a tournament and you want to share your experiences, do let us know via social media or maybe you're on the fence about um, going to one, you know, get in touch. And they, they are they are a lot of fun and hopefully we'll we'll be taking part in one this coming weekend and we'll be able to talk to you all about it next week. But um, watch this space uh, in regards to that. We'll see what happens with Warhammer World. I think that brings this segment to a close, but we're going to keep it tournaments with our top three, which is coming up next. So for this week's top three, we're going to be talking about our top three tournaments uh, and maybe even streamline it down to games as well. We'll keep it a bit open this uh, this week's top three. Um, I mean, we've all been to quite a few events. So this should be quite a fun one to talk about. And I'm actually going to start us off this week. Um, with with my top three now my third choice um is quite a special choice because it was the very first tournament i ever attended so i think regardless of how the two days went it's always going to be one of those um kind of special warhammer moments because it was my first tournament it was a throne of schools at warhammer world and i was teamed up with yourself matt yeah, um, it was, doubles. It was, yeah. So it was, um, it was Age of Sigma. I had um, a Legion of Nagash, led by Nagash, and Matt had uh, Tamerkin, Tamerkin's Horde. Uh, you know, R.I.P. Tamerkin. Yeah. Um, and uh, I kind of went a little bit kind of nervous. I think a doubles event actually, um, going with somebody who's been to an event before, as Matt had at that point. I think you've been with Jay. Hmm. Actually made me a lot more relaxed because you know you knew how it was going to kind of work uh, and honestly it was an absolutely fantastic couple of days of, of, of games and I wanted to pick out one game in particular which kind of epitomized what the throne of schools was like and it was a great introduction to a tournament and that was our very first game oh um, it was such a good game I mean those the, the two guys we played against I'm really sorry I can't remember the names um but they 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 were running um, one of them was running uh, Beast Claw Raiders and the other was running Iron Jaws, and the enthusiasm these two guys had was it was it was fantastic it it was so so good um, and they made that first game really really fun there was some sort of really laugh out loud moments um, I think we actually snuck a victory there as well didn't we we Matt? did we did there was there was a lot of ridiculous long ball charges and yeah. just <laughs> far from tactical play on both sides it was a case of let's have a big scrap in the middle but it was so much yeah. fun yeah it it was it was really really good um the the, the the you know we did we did have a bit of a dodgy game at the end of day one unfortunately um but 
other than that, the, the, the two days were absolutely fantastic. And it, it really, you know, that, that was it. I, I wanted to go to more tournaments. I wanted to run sort of, you know, tournaments, on uh, being a tournament on my own, not just with um, doubles. Um, it really gave me that confidence. Uh, my second choice is actually another Throne of Skulls. Um, there's a theme here. They're really, really good, uh, especially if you, you know, you're a bit of a novice at tournaments. Uh, and this one, again, was Age of Sigmar. But instead of being teamed up with Matt, I was actually teamed up with you, Andy. <laughs> do you still have faith dave <laughs> uh, well i mean that was the theme of the weekend wasn't it so um andy kept saying oh, i've got faith i mean we were incredibly unlucky but how much fun did we have over those two days in particular that first day yeah i, I remember the um stonehorn charging into the 20 witch shelves going yeah no problem i've got this I mean, killing like three of them, like Dave, I ain't got this. <laughs> at, at, at the time, two of the scariest lists were Deepkin and Daughters. In our first game, we were against Deepkin and Daughters. And then we thought, well, it can only get better in game two. And we played another Deepkin, Deepkin. and Daughters <laughs> uh, t- tag team. So, um, it, it, yeah, it, it was a bit of a brutal day. We, we, we lost all three games on that first day. But the game that I really wanted to focus on, which really made that weekend, and I'm sure you might agree, Andy, was that first game on the bottom table on day two um, against the Iron... I think, again, it was um, Beast Claw and uh, Iron Jaws, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, yeah. Um, I mean, at this point, all four of us, you know, me, Andy, and our our two opponents, like, we're on the bottom table. Let's just have some fun. And again, that was a laugh out loud game. Um, my cellar star ballista doing more damage in combat than shooting. Who <laughs> <laughs> would, would, would see that? You know, it was um, <laughs> again. It was it was a close one thing. Um, I think we won that. Did we win that? Well, we, we did, but it it was so unbelievably close. It was nail bitingly close. Yeah. But you know, it got to the point that towards the end of the game, there was like a crowd around us, a crowd around us, really just taking in this this brilliant game of Warhammer. Um, it was really what it's all about. Um, it, it was such a superb game, um, and that leads us to uh, my top choice. Um, we're going to move away from official uh, Warhammer World events now because my top choice is actually a unicorn event. Oh, again, Age of Sigmar. Um, this was uh, in one of the was it Williston Memorial Hall or something it was called. Um, it was Age of Sigmar. Uh, it was um, a, a, a one day, and I actually came away with a wooden spoon at this event. Um, but that's not the reason it was, um, you know, my favourite event. It was the games that I played. Every opponent I played in that tournament was was brilliant, and I had such such fun. Uh, I remember playing a guy who'd travelled quite far to come to this unicorn event. Again, I should have got the names before I recorded the segment. But we had a really nice looking corn army. Um, we had an absolute blast of a game. Um, but the, the 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 game of the day for me was my final game. Um, playing against the Nighthorn. Um, there was so much like that went wrong in that game for for both of us. And bearing in mind that whilst I was still trying to win this game, I also kind of had my eye on the table behind me because there was one of a guy who'd lost as many games as I had. And at this point, I'm thinking, you know, if I'm going to go out, let's go out properly and come bottom. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, I still wanted to be competitive in this game. I remember my evocators failing about a million charges um, <laughs> in that last game, especially against the Mongol, which could have completely swung the battle for me. But no, alas, a nine-inch charge. Can't make that. 
Um, and uh, it rounded off an absolutely brilliant day. And, and you know, I won an award. So, <laughs> um, yeah, a- a- absolutely, absolutely great fun. Um, I was going to give a shout out to the to the event that I actually won um, Sparkless Unicorn as well. That was, um, was that a 40k tournament, I think? Um, but yeah, pretty proud of that as well. Um, but yeah, lots of really, really cool games. Bet lots and lots of cool people. Um, and yeah, had a had a had a great time. Uh, Andy, what about yourself? What what are your top three sort of tournaments? Uh, so my my top three tournaments, but so my third choice has got to be the first ever Purpose Popular Unicorn event we did. Um, and again, you know, hats off to to Craig for for running it and. We did so much preparation for this event. Like we had so many nights building terrain, getting tables done. You know, um, I think we invested, obviously, you know, but a, a bit of money to to get the club going and stuff like that. So there was a there was a lot of pressure going into to the first event, and it wasn't until sort of like. We, we got it all set up. We played the first games and, and it got to sort of like dinner time where we sort of sat down. And I think me and Craig just looked at each other and went, you know what? It's going really well. And we're like, yeah, it is. It's going really well. Um, and I think this was, uh, I had to actually message Craig before we started this podcast because I couldn't remember what year it was. Uh, but it was, uh, it was uh, March. Uh, it was in March um, and we called it March to War for obvious reasons um in 2018 and yeah since, since then the, the club's gone from strength to strength i mean i think the last club night i went to we had about over the course of the entire night we had about 45 people turn up to to you know come and look and, and play games and stuff like that and the first ever event we did we only had 16 people turn up for it so you know go, going from um that small little one day to to where we are now you know i mean don't get me wrong i i, I like to say my ego is pretty small but you know looking back on it i think that the club itself has has done some some amazing events and yeah hopefully going into the future you know the best is yet to come sort of thing so that was my number three choice that's my third choice the second choice was the throne of schools uh, that i went to with Matt, um, obviously, this is long before I joined the podcast and, and long before I started uh, um, teasing people. Uh, and, yeah, I, I turned up to, to the event, like I said, with the intention of never voluntarily taking the double turn. And for me, that that pressure of trying to compete, of trying to do well, just vanished, absolutely vanished. And I remember just playing my games and I was like you know what these 10 play bearers they're going to charge into those vanguard hunters I'm like why the objectives over there and I'm like I'm not playing for the objectives I'm just playing so that I don't voluntarily take the double turn I just want to tick this thing off on my hobby resolution list and and that was it you know and like I said uh, that last game against Matt I think I, I, I lost because I didn't take the double turn but I think my game three against the Stormcast Army, the same sort of thing. I lost it because I didn't take the double turn. And like I said, I enjoyed the event so much more because of it. And I lowered my expectations and, and it made the event so much more enjoyable. Um, so that's my second choice. My first choice. 
my first choice is something that I am so unbelievably proud of. And I've got a little, I say a little trophy, it's pretty big, a big trophy in my display cabinet sat right next to me right now. And it's been in there for about three years now. And it was, um, I went to Warhammer Achievements, again, run by Steve Wren, um, back in 2018, uh, November 2018. And I took my maggot kin, I took the Glock kin, you know, it was just a, a silly mess around list using a load of models that I hadn't used in years. And I played a bunch of people. I played Steve Foote, um, absolute legend. I played... Um, Jimbo from the Mitzi and Jimbo show um, and, and and a bunch of other people. I even played one of my close friends, a guy called Jason, in the last game of his Iron Shots. Absolutely loved the event, loved the weekend. I was so happy. And they got to the awards ceremony right at the end, and they were like, okay, we're going to do Warhammer Achievements because it's just, it was the smallest event. I think there was only like 25 to 30 people at this event. You know, it's a nice small event. And they start reading out the the awards and with warhammer achievements it was um it, you had an achievement list a bit like the challenges that i was talking about earlier mm-hmm. and you got um whoever got the most achievements basically won the event now i was nowhere near winning this event but with all these other like really nice casual laid-back people they did the f- most sporting player award and I was sat down and bear in mind, Blood and Glory, you've got maybe 500 odd players because you've got 40k events, all this sort of stuff. And I was sat right at the front, nice little chair, sat next to Craig and um, Jason and stuff. And they, they called out my name for the most sporting player award. And it took me, it, Craig had to nudge me to sort of like, Andy, that's you. It's you. And I was like, what? It's like, yeah, it's you. And I remember sort of like Ben Curry, I think it was who's running it and doing the awards. I think it was Steve Red. It's one of those two. Um, sort of like pointed at me like, you know, come up, come up, sort of thing. And I was like, oh. And so I got up, walked up, didn't even notice the massive crowd of people behind me and, and went up, shook my hand, got a um a photo taken and and walked back with this big trophy. And I was just like, Oh my god, how did I get this? Like looking at all the other people in the event. I was just, I was mind blown, <laughs> you know. And like I said, every time I look in my cabinet, I'm like, yeah, that was, I don't think I can ever do that again. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that was my, my first choice. Excellent choice. Really, really, really cool. You played against some absolutely awesome people from the community. Um, Jay, what what's your top three? Uh, my topic, my memory's not as good as you guys, so my top three are going to be quite recent top threes. But my first <laughs> one actually was the one at Element Games, and mainly because um, it was the first opportunity I had to play with my Lumen F Realm Lords, really, after having been building them and painting them for so long since they were released and went into lockdown. So I had very limited games with them. Uh, that was really the first time I'd got to bring them to the table and use Teclis of all uh, units as well. So Teclis really like one of my favourite sort of characters from the old world that was. So I just really had a great time using the Luminef. Looking forward to next weekend, hopefully, we can use the Luminef again. Um, so that was a really, really cool. And it was the first time I've been to Element Games as well, so a couple of uh, firsts on that one. Yeah. Um, the um, the best thing about tournaments for me is um, you get to play loads of different kinds of armies, generally, uh, which is something 
you don't normally get to do inside your own little gaming group, which before we started going to tournaments, that's all I had to play was you, Dave, and Matt, really. And, and you know, at that time, we only had limited armies. So you you you, you, you didn't get many uh, much variety in your opponents and lists because you're just limited to the models and collections that you and your friends have got. Uh, whereas when you go to tournaments, you know, you get five games on a two-day tournament against against five different opponents, potentially five armies you've never played before. So it's, it's always a learning experience. Um, and it's always fun as well to to play different armies. And you may you may play an army and think actually, you know, I hadn't considered collecting that army before, but I quite like the way they played on the battlefield. I might have a look at them again when I get back back home. Um, so I could pick any number of the tournaments I've been to. I mean, the first one we went to was Throne of Skulls at Warhammer World, so that was the first tournament I went to, and it was at Warhammer World as well. Um, that was really really cool. Um, and actually, uh, I um, met someone there that then um, we went back to Throne of Skulls for doubles, and uh, he was my partner uh, in the doubles as well. So uh, really, really cool. So I'd probably pick one of the Throne of Skulls uh, tournaments as my, my number two choice, although I have also enjoyed the Purple Sparkly Unicorns event, mainly because it's just a group of familiar faces now, and it's it's fun just you know going to those events and, and catching up with people. Um, my number one choice, though, I mean, no contest, really. It has to be the, the recent Escape from Pancalis Crusade event that we went to, um, mm. purely just because of the the uniqueness of the experience. So this was a tournament unlike any other I've been to here. You know, there was not even a leaderboard at the end of the at the end of the two days, so it didn't matter how many games you won, how many units you killed. The, the, no one was keeping track. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, this was all about the experience. So, I mean, whether it was a true tournament, I'm not sure. I'd say everybody won. <laughs> So um, I uh, I think I will definitely be looking out to attend as many of those sort of um, crusade narrative tournaments in future, uh, potentially Age of Sigma wanted to do those. Um, but there's quite a few tournaments that I've not been to that I'd like to try. Um, so Horus Heresy, and I think Horus Heresy tournaments might sort of almost bridge the gap between your, your more traditional um, competitive tournaments and the narrative style that we saw at the Crusade event recently, where... It's more about telling the story of the Horus Heresy, um, and they tend to as well mix up the games. So you, your first game may be a 2,500-point battle, but then you need to make sure you've got in your army list is capable of fielding forces that are much smaller for games. So, so you know, it, it, it's more of a unique sort of storytelling experience rather than a competitive tournament. So I'd love to try one of those. And I'd also love to try a um, Lord of the Rings tournament as well. I'm hoping for the same sort of um, reason that it's it's more of a story based tournament rather than a, a competitive one, you know, with with it being based on such a cool sort of um, you know bit of background and narrative anyway. So, so yeah, so they're my top three choices. Excellent, excellent, really really good choices there. Uh, that just leaves yourself, Matt, with uh, with your top three to finish us off. So this was hard. This was really really hard. Um, but I managed to get it down to three. So number three, I believe it's the same Purple Sparkly Unicorns event um, that you run about earlier, Dave. And the Hobby Room was streaming, our friends at the Hobby Room. And I'd brought my, in fact, I think I'd brought the same list that I'm bringing this weekend, assuming access to Warhammer Worlds on this weekend. And uh, yeah, it was it was it was Archeon, it was Vanguard, it was the Gaunt Summoner. Really, really cool. And a third game, maybe, I was up against Kerry from the Hobby Room on the stream. She'd brought her ridiculous squig army with the Bumble Squig. 
and um you know <laughs> we had to we had to give the uh, the audience a, a a show and i let the the whim of charges and decisions and all the stuff that was happening to her chat which is always a terrible idea <laughs> um, and yeah it was it was such a ridiculously funny game the highlight has to be though archeon the ever chosen the lord of the end times facing down this um grot on a mangler squig Archeon swings and he fluffs all his attacks. He does terrible, so terrible he doesn't get any, any rerolls or anything. He just he just fluffs it all, fails to destroy them all, and then the squig attacks back. It does some damage, but it doesn't quite kill Archeon. Good, good. The goblin swings. Now he he has a terrible time too. Finally, the little snotling on the top puts the heart puts the dagger into the heart of Archeon himself casting him down from his mountain and, and winning the day and i don't think i'll ever live down kerry's snotlin killing Archeon. what a way to go <laughs> so yeah absolutely need a rematch with her at some point but it was such a funny game um so yeah awesome awesome time my number two choice in my notepad i put down double dwarves so this was an AOS doubles event where where me and Jay, I don't know, maybe we'd had a bit too much sun or something, but we thought it was a good idea to, to spend the entire weekend in beards as dwarves. We had a still got those list. beards. You still got the beards. Dispossessed and fire slayers. And it was such a good event. Again, the highlight, I think, would be the game where we went hunting for a Chaos War Mammoth. Yes, <laughs> that was good. <laughs> so our opponents I, I think they had a really fun game as well and basically we we threw all caution to the wind and just had to take down this war mammoth which i think fell over and crushed us as well if you remember rightly <laughs> yeah that was the mummer kill conversion wasn't it it was yeah yeah that was really cool we were firing like my iron breakers uh, iron drakes were firing troll hammer torpedoes at it yeah that was really I, really good i remember at one point i went um went to the bar and was walking back to the table because that was at like, the doubles that me and me and dave were and i walked straight past you guys and didn't recognize you because you were in full beard <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We can, we, it, it soon became apparent it's so hard to communicate your, with your opponent when you've got full beard on. So that, that, to... that, that's why we lost. Yeah, that's definitely. <laughs> yeah, why we lost. That is definitely why we lost. I mean, at the same event, there was four guys dressed as Ninja Turtles. Yeah, there was with for the four uh, Kelly and Leviathans. <laughs> so I think we were, I think we one upped on the uh, the costume front. But yeah, we we went in with no expectations of winning. We just decided to have some fun, and as a result, it was a really really fun weekend. Number one, though, it's going to be Escape from Pancalis. For all the reasons Jay said, such an amazing event. I had such a good time, and I can't wait for them to do more stuff like this. I want to see a yeah, Path to Glory one as well, because I think that would be great fun. Yeah, that, I can't wait to go to a Crusade event. Really good, so I didn't get to join you guys, but I'll hopefully um, get to attend the next one with you. Okay, so that's our choices out of the way. We do have one final segment of the podcast left. It is the Community Top 3, and that's coming up next. It is time to wrap up this week's podcast with the Community Top 3 picks. We do have Daryl Calderwood over on Facebook. Um, He's given a shout-out to the British Armed Forces Doubles Tournament. Excellent management, friendly and fun atmosphere, with my colleagues from all three services. Prizes were raised. I think that's really cool that they do a... Mm. uh, 
an armed forces um, tournament. That's that's a great idea. Um, Matt, what do we have over on uh, Twitter? Well, Lee Demonhammer says, I've only ever attended one, uh, that being Battle Brothers at Warhammer World. Not a tournament player, but it was a tradition for me and an old mate. Uh, speak of the devil, Kerry Robson says, any of the events run by WS10 Gaming? Mm. Yeah, they're a good group of guys they are at WS10. If Nick's uh, listening, we, we I need to play you again, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'll throw in a quick plug. They've got an Xmas AOS event, 18th and 19th of December. Still tickets available, so there you go, nice. free plug. Uh, and then Ben Martin says the old 40k campaign weekends at Warhammer World with the custom rule packs. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I, I I'm. I, annoyingly going into lockdown i had a load of events booked and then obviously they're all cancelled so i'm super keen to get as many on as i can now as the world moves slowly back to normal unless we end up in lockdown again over christmas in which case well we'll cross that bridge when we get to it yeah excellent some really good choices and matt that leads us to ask what is next week's top three well next week we've got dragons coming out haven't we so it couldn't be anything but what are your top three favorite dragons and oh yeah dragons will have in the in the loosest sense possible <laughs> okay okay that's cool um you can get your choices in early via our social media uh, or alternatively on sunday or monday we will pop a, a tweet and a facebook message out asking for your top three so you can just click a reply to those and pop in your choice and we'll read out as many as we can on next week's show i think it could be quite a popular one next week um, i think so, yeah, so. i think so and if that high off dragons in your top three, Dave, you <laughs> Already written it down in my notepad. <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll see, we'll see. There's been some new dragons since then, but I kind of feel like I've got to include him at, at some point. Maybe he's an honourable mention. We'll see. I'll, I'll have a think. Um, we can do a top three worst dragons a week after, Dave. You can use him, include him in that. Ooh. He's not though, Jay. He's, he's right. He's going to be here next week just so we can debate about this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that brings this week's podcast to a close. We will be back again next week, hopefully to talk to you all about uh, this Age of Sigmar event uh, this coming weekend. Fingers and toes crossed. If not, we will have plenty of content to talk to you about, um, so we won't be short of uh, of things to to say. Until then, have a great week of hobby, and we'll speak to you all again very soon. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the Spruce and Brews podcast. For more content, remember to check out spruceandbrews.com. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, send us a tweet at spruceandbrews or head over to facebook.com forward slash spruceandbrews.